Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It's an old song about, will I see you in September when the summer's through? Will the bromance still go on? And we don't know who the bromance will still be going on with, with what's going on in the world today, with the stock market going up and down like a cardiac arrest patient who's being resuscitated by tweet. I don't know what's coming this afternoon. The president's going to tweet again about the economic warfare that he's engaging with in, in with China, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know, and... Many of you understand it. Some of you do. Some of you don't. I can't say I am 100% certain that going to war with China economically makes sense. I think that there are ways to do these things quietly, diplomatically, behind the scenes. Uh, if you know anything about China, which apparently no one in the White House does, apparently that wasn't part of the bill of play, uh, the Chinese are very big on face. Uh, I think we all understand what face-saving means. And if you keep pushing president z into a corner he's going to react accordingly it doesn't mean that i'm not on the side of the government i am it's long overdue that china was reined in on an economic level which trump is doing but why does he have to do it by bashing them in the face why must everything be done in such a truculent manner now don't call me and say he's playing 15 dimensional chess i'm sick and tired of hearing that it's not 15 dimensional chess I would much rather, frankly, play the tape that I opened yesterday's show with as you get ready to call me on this Rock and Roll Friday on many topics, which I will repeat in a moment. Uh, it is Rock and Roll Friday, so we take requests. And it could be about Bernie Sanders wanting to take over the energy department, which shows him to be what he's always been, a low-life, left-wing, radical communist that should be thrown in jail. As far as I'm concerned, communism should be illegal in America, not a choice. And Bernie Sanders should be thrown into... Metropolitan Correctional Center until he's tried for treason. But 
hey, I'm only a talk show host. The genus I come from is genus Patria, Patriotokia. And the genus he comes from is genus, well, you figure it out. I know the type. Bernie Sanders is a certain type. And for him to say he wants to nationalize the energy department should tell you that he's always been a naked Soviet communist. I would rather, frankly, play the tape right now of the mistake that was made. Somebody undermined this this moron. What's his name? De Blasio of New York. He went to speak at some Iowa Democrat convention. And he came by Skype because his plane got delayed. And apparently there was a technical glitch, which you will soon hear on this program, where his voice sounds like he's on laughing gas. Unfortunately, there are many people in radio today who have the same exact voice problem, only it's not because there were technical difficulties. It's it's due to genetic difficulties. But in this case, this is not a genetic anomaly, as it is in radio in some cases. This is a technical anomaly. Listen carefully. Somebody undermine them for sure. Let's hear it. Hey, thank you, everybody. I'm <laughs> so happy with you, and I, I apologize. I couldn't be there in person. I had a canceled flight and could not get to you by my time slot. But I want to just say, before I get into anything about why I'm running for president and what we have to do in this country, I want to thank you for the fight you're waging every day. Organized labor in Iowa has uh, been fighting a really, really difficult Keep battle. But you've been doing yeah. it in, in a way that shows so much passion, so much strength. And I believe the tide is turning. And you can see it in elections all over the state of Iowa. And labor's been so essential to those You got the picture. Somebody sabotaged him. That doesn't happen by accident and go on for that long. So he's on his huge screen at some labor rally at some whatever in Iowa. And here he is like uh, a talk show host on Laughing Gas. Why is that? He sounds like he's on helium. You're telling me this wasn't a mistake? I don't believe it wasn't a mistake. I believe it was a sabotage. Someone's had enough of him. You know, this morning I cut up a lot of bread that I have left over, sourdough bread, which comes with Italian food that I order. I don't eat, I don't like sourdough bread. It's too sour. That's why it's called sourdough bread. It's a lower form of bread, sourdough bread. I know people in San Francisco like it, love it. I despise it. Uh, I have a certain cultural preference for bread that doesn't taste, taste sour. But the seagulls love sourdough bread, and so I cut it up into small pieces, and I like to feed them before the show. It's kind of um, a religious... I can't explain. I go out to the bay and I throw bread to the water. It's my way of communing with nature. And I love to watch the gulls as they swoop down to get the bread, as they protect their territory. Today is very heavy winds in San Francisco Bay. We have the craziest climate in the world right now. Yesterday, I was schwitzing like in a, a, a sweat bath. Shorts, short sleeve shirt, Panama hat, gagging for air, air conditioning in the car. Couldn't breathe. Today, it's like a gale five wind blowing outside on the bay. Now, you could say it's wonderful. It's hard to understand why the weather patterns are changing so rapidly. Yes, I know it's global warming, whatever. Whatever the reason is, so I watch the birds today as I throw the bread. Normally, on a calm day, it's one thing. But today, you watch these young animals as they swim against, as they fly against the wind. They have to calculate. You know how many different calculations a seagull or any other bird has to make to swoop down on, a, on an object that's floating by. It's like a fighter pilot. There's the piece of bread. The bird has to calculate, or a hunter. Let's say you're a hunter. So the bird sees the piece of bread moving at, let's say, three knots on the water. Now he's flying overhead. 
Now he's flying into a, a 10 knot wind, let's say, or a five knot wind, whatever it may be at the moment. It's changing. The winds are changing. And I think if you're a sharpshooter, I'll put it in rifle terms. If you're adjusting for windage, how do you keep changing it if the wind is changing? Well, the bird has to change his flight approach, his flight of it, his attack, his uh, attack, and the speed at which he's going to attack, the angle at which he's going to attack. By the second, I've never seen anything like it. At the same time, he is fending off another bird who wants the piece of bread. This is an ancient species, the seagull. I think I'm going to actually, I don't have the patience to go back and get a master's degree now in ornithology. But frankly, I'm thinking about studying the Laridae, which is the seagull. I find them amongst the most interesting creatures on the planet. And they date back to the early Oligocene, some 30 to 33 million years ago, long before talk radio, long before man started to burn the Brazilian forest to the ground, killing everything in it in order to pave it over and make some money. Uh, they found evidence in the early Oligocene 33 million years ago. In fact, uh, three gull-like species were described by Alphonse Milne Edwards from the early Miocene of Saint-Gérand-de-Pré-France. I could go on and on. A fossil gull from the middle to late Miocene of Cherry County, Nebraska, uh, was found. So these are ancient animals. And to watch them operate. You know that they're monogamous, unlike mankind? Yeah, there's a study out that says heterosexuality is over for women, according to some lame brain at a university. Apparently, heterosexuality for women is over, and they should only... Uh, have sex with each other. They don't need men. Uh, I don't know why the gulls are so antiquated and they actually mate and stay together for life. I really don't understand it. How stupid can a gull be? And they're not even Christians when you think about it. They're not even Jewish. They're not Muslims and they do this. So you can't say it's because of religious bigotry that they're, that they're heterosexual. What is it about the stupid animals that uh, continues to, I don't know, force them into heterosexuality? Why are animals so dumb that they retain heterosexuality at a time like this when progressivism is in the air? Haven't the gulls caught on yet that they should drop the old ways and follow the new ways and become extinct? I don't know. Just thinking about it while watching the gulls die for bread. I could give you the phone number. I'll give you the phone number, 855. Now I go to the break and I throw the number out and I beg you to call 855-407-282. Then I play an audio sound of some hateful monster on the left. Then you call, then I call, then I hang up, then I go to an ad, then we come back, then we do it again. What do you want to talk about? Donald Trump saying he's the chosen one on China. We did that. Bernie Sanders showing that he's a naked communist because he's collapsing in the polls. So he's trying to up, up, he's trying to like upstage Elizabeth Warren now to show he's more communistic than she is. He started as a Democrat socialist. I'm a Democrat social. Then explain what it meant. Made no sense. A lifetime Soviet-style guy. So now he says that we must end fossil fuels. I think we should end fossil candidates like him. But just for comedic effect, let's listen to the fossil Bernie Sanders in clip four. No secret that we must transition away from fossil fuel, period. Hey, right on, old man. Yeah. Oh. There ain't no middle ground here. No. There is no middle ground. No, there's no middle ground. Not for a fanatical seltzer man like you. No middle ground. So a student next asks him why he flies around in a jet. Since he hates fossil fuels so much. Listen to number five. You got to hear this schmuck. So uh, my question is, is, 
you seem adamant about climate change, yep. of course. So what ways would you take to practice what you preach if you were to become yeah. president? Because I know it's stressful and you have to travel a lot and you have to use fossil fuels. No, I'm not going to walk to California. All right, you know, <laughs> you know, I understand that. You know, we, we do the best we can as an example, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're not going to use fossil fuels. So why did you just say we must end fossil fuels, Putz? Putz Techa. You just said we must end fossil fuels. Now Putz Techa says we're not going to end fossil fuels. Oh, boy, what a candidacy we have here. What a candidacy now. Then old Joe Biden, clueless as usual, comes out, and he's, uh, of course, three days late to the feast of Trump and the Jewish Democrats story, uh, as usual. Listen to clip, clip seven. He gets it all wrong again. Look what he did with American Jews and the Jewish community. Come on, man. That's like a dog whistle. Oh, so, and Loyalty. Uh, stop. What do you mean? The do- I told you dog whistle is old. Trope is the new equivalent of dog whistle. Dog whistle was something that followed another trope of the left uh, that only a person like Anderson Cooper could find cool. These are not cool statements, dog whistle, trope. Remember gravitas I keep saying to you? Remember in the age of Clinton, the word gravitas was hot amongst the Anderson Cooper lightweights? The new one is dog whistle. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not a dog, and I don't respond to whistles. And what Donald Trump said about American Jews is 100% correct. I know it for a fact. I know it for a fact. Most Jewish Democrats do not like Israel. Most Jewish Democrats are disloyal to Israel. That's a fact of reality. Ask anyone who is Jewish if that is a mistake. It's not a dog whistle. It's a reality, Joe. Now, I could play the black card and say when blacks get mad at you, they say, you have no right telling us what we think or what we should feel. Well, Joe shouldn't be telling Jews what Jews should feel or think about Donald Trump saying that about Jewish Democrats, by the way. Is there a, a seagull expert out there? I'm amazed at these birds. They're, they're more beautiful than I imagine. I got a hawk up at the hill that I like. She comes back every year, or I don't know if she lives up there in a, in a tree. I got an owl up there that's there. I got an owl, and I got a property up way up in the woods. On this property, there's an owl, and it's there all the time. Every year, it's there. Okay, then I got a hawk that lives near the owl. And the hawk, I watch her, and I watch her, and I watch her flying around, diving for a mouse, diving for another bird. I mean, they're pretty heavy-duty killers, the hawk, as you know. And then I'm down at the water, and I watch the seagulls. And I love to watch the seagulls. And then I read about them, and I find things I didn't know, of course, because I'm no expert on the gulls. But they bring me and connect me to the larger picture of humanity and our place on the earth and who we are in comparison with the animals, in some ways certainly superior, in some ways not. And that is why I'm, I'm saying to you, Study your animals, and I don't just mean your house pet. It may lead you back to yourself. Back in a minute. Savage. Hey, sure, DNA testing can tell you about where your ancestors are from, but did you know it could also give you a lot of genetic information about your health and traits? Understand more about yourself today and inform how you live your life going forward with 23andMe. With 23andMe's health and ancestry service, you can learn how your genes can affect your health. Now, it's a lot to take in, but once you know more, you can take action now to stay healthy. There's a whole world of genes just waiting to meet you in 125-plus 
personalized genetic reports on your health traits and more. Now, the right personal health plan starts with the right data. Your health reports can give you insights about your DNA, so you can build a health plan that is unique to you. Certain versions of these genes can increase the risk of developing breast, ovarian, prostate, and other cancers. There are thousands of BRCA variations that can increase the risk for certain cancers. 23andMe only tests for the three most commonly found in people with Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. Both men and women can be affected, by the way. 23andMe does not diagnose disease or describe overall likelihood of developing any diseases. 23andMe tests selected genetic variants only. So please visit 23andMe.com slash savage for very important test information. Order your order your health plus ancestry kit at 23andMe.com slash savage and you can meet your genes in 125 plus personalized genetic reports. Wow, that's amazing. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash savage. Use the numbers 2 Three and me.com slash savage. All right, welcome back. Rock and Roll Friday. All right, listen, I came up with a new phrase for you. The Amazon is burning. They're driving indigenous people who've lived there for eons out of their indigenous homes. They're burning the trees to the ground to develop it. And I said this today, the Amazon is one of Earth's lungs being burned to the ground. One of Earth's lungs, it is an original savagism. You understand what happens if we burn up all the lungs of the Earth, these vast tracts of green? You understand what's, what happens to the Earth and the atmosphere? Not one word from Bernie Sanders. But worse yet, there's a group of people on a billionaire's yacht in the Mediterranean. This guy named Geffen, I don't know him, some record producer. And there's this guy, Geffen, it's on the Drudge Report. Some record producer became a mega billionaire of some kind. And there he is showing off with all of the most powerful entertainment figures in the world. Geffen yacht snaps become top status in media. It's on the Drudge Report. So you look at the picture of him in the yacht. Leon DiCrapio, another faker, flies around the world with the, with the whore, I mean with the girls. The Epstein entourage claiming he's doing it for global warming to write it off. Do you understand why Leia DiCrapio says he's doing this for global warming? He gets to cheat Uncle Sam. If he flies in his private jet with three whores, I mean with three women or ten women, ten upstanding uh, Ph.D. candidates to study global warming like Epstein, if he does that, and I don't know if he does, he, he writes the whole thing off because he's going to a global warming conference. Do you understand how they scam you out? Jeff Bezos is on the yacht. Oprah Winfrey, Chris Rock, Steven Spielberg. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these people I've heard of. Some of them I haven't. Josh Kushner. That's brother of Jared is on there. Goldman Sachs's ex-president Lloyd Blankfein kissing the ring of uh, Geffen. K5 Global founder Michael Kives. Never heard of him. Oil heir Mickey Hess and designer fiance somewhat or other are all on this guy's yacht. They're all liberals, very far-out progressives. <laughs> oh, they really care about the earth. Is they burning up what? What's the fuel burn of a yacht that size? Can anyone guess? How big is Geffen's yacht? 500 feet? 
138 meters. Okay, that's close to 400 feet, if not more. Yeah. He bought it from uh, Larry Ellison, another good liberal. What is the fuel burn on a boat like that at a normal speed of, let's say, even 10 knots? Can anyone do the math? Do you have any idea what the carbon footprint is for this piggish yacht? So there they are, the leaders of the liberal establishment, sitting there like kings of old, telling the rest of us to ride a bicycle. Savage. to punch him in the face i'll tell you yeah i'm gonna punch him in the face i don't think he's, he's, he's a, never punched anybody he's not a tough guy uh nor am i i mean i wouldn't know what to do but i don't go around saying i'm gonna punch him in the face with my hands uh, i don't know why i'm talking like that he did this on air robert anderson like went into a pantomime of a tough guy voice I wouldn't know how to even... He said he couldn't even form a fist. But he went into the voice of a guy who was like a tough guy. I don't understand what's going on. I think that they're all melting down. I'd rather, I'd rather focus on seagulls, uh, the Geffen yacht crew. Why are all these extremely powerful billionaire liberals who tell us they care about the planet and the earth, why are they floating around on a yacht that is a, a 454 feet long with a beam of 60 feet, a draft of 16 feet, weighing 7,600 gross tons, sleeping 18 guests, nine staterooms, 45 crew for the, for the guests, propelled by 2,175 horsepower MTU engines. Do they actually think we are this stupid when they come back from these trips that give us our lecture on global warming? And what do you think goes on in that yacht? Uh, let's say this. I don't know because I've not been on it. I would assume it's along the lines of a Harvey Weinstein in one cabin, uh, Nero in another cabin. You could fill in the blanks. How many cabins does she have? 18 guests, probably has 20 cabins. I would say there's one cabin Nero behavior is going on, another cabin Harvey Weinstein behavior going on, another one Jeffrey Weinstein behavior is going on, but no one knows anything. They will come up and have dinner. They don't know what went on. They went down with four women. The other one went down with six boys. I'm guessing now. I'm imagining. And they're all coming up and lecturing us on family values and how to run America. Have we ever lived in a time when, when people are so wealthy and have the, the audacity to lecture us and tell us how to live? It's, I don't care if they're billionaires and enjoying themselves. I don't care what their sexual orientation is or isn't. That's their business if it's adults. If it's children, they should be put in jail for 50 years or 100 years. But if it's adults, God bless them. Do what you want if it's consensual. But... The but here is the big part of this story. How is it that Oprah Winfrey and the others, Spielberg, look at the list of those on the Geffen yacht. You don't know what I'm talking about. I get it. But go to the Drudge Report. You'll see a picture of all of them boasting about the Balearic Islands, a cesspool, a toilet bowl. Why are they in the Balearic Islands? I was there in the 60s. It was already becoming a toilet bowl. The Mediterranean was the Mediterranean was already becoming a toilet bowl in the 60s. Jacques Cousteau said it was basically the... The, the toilet bowl of Europe, the Mediterranean, Balearic Islands. It shows you how low their mind is. What is such a hot deal about floating around off the Balearic Islands? Any Spaniard with money leaves in the summer. They come, they go, they probably go to Miami. I mean, there are better places to cruise on a yacht than the Balearic Islands. What is he doing there? Why are they floating in Spanish waters?
I can only guess because there's no extradition treaty. <laughs> I mean, something happens on a boat, right? You can't extradite. I don't think Spain permits extradition. I think the most beautiful waters I've ever been in a boat in are the uh, northern Tongan Islands. Oh, they're magnificent. The fjords are so deep. The water is the bluest I've ever seen. That's a better place to float around on a yacht, but maybe there's extradition from Tonga. I don't really know, nor do I imply that there's a reason to extradite any. What I'm saying, why would anyone choose to float around in the Balearic Island area? Why? It's, it's old. The 60s were when the Balearic Islands were discovered by the verminous hippie drug addicts who destroyed Ibiza. I remember it. I was drawn there to Mallorca as a result. I thought I'd have a wild time. What was so wild? I mean, the same people I saw in New York were there. Everyone I knew from the Bronx was in the Balearic Islands looking for girls. I mean, I don't see the benefit. It's true the paella was good and cheap. It's like 30 cents a dish. But the same people, there was Irving on the go-kart. Irving, the crazy guy with the curly hair, was there. I don't know where he came. I didn't even know I was going there. But what are they doing there? It's old. I was there in the 60s. I thought these people have taste. What are they doing in the Balearic Islands? Why is that such a hot thing? Oh, ecstasy. Oh, you, you can't get that in L.A.? What, they can't find the drugs in New York? They have to go to, to, to the Balearic Island? Hello, rising sun. Am I coming in loud and clear? Any of you listening to me on the boat secretly because you're bored to death of your company? Can you imagine anything more boring than being on a guy like a, a yacht like this with a dictator owning it? That's a, a dictator type of guy, um, a guy from Hollywood who made his career by browbeating everybody. Uh, as they do in Hollywood. Everyone does that. Anyone gets ahead is a mean person. Horrible, horrible human beings. Now the guy has a 450-foot yacht, and you're his guest on his yacht, and you have to sit and listen to him morning, noon, and night. I would think it's a floating prison. Breakfast, listening to him. Lunch, listening to him. Dinner, listening to him. Why would anyone subject themselves to that? And yet, the most powerful people in entertainment are on that boat off and on. Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg. What do they go there for? Well, they say it's an A-list thing to do, is to get there and be around other A-listers, I guess. Uh, Geffen Yacht snaps become top status in media, says on the Drudge Report, with actual pictures of it. And admittedly, it's a beautiful yacht, but why would you want to have dinner with Oprah Winfrey and, and Chris Rock? Is that an exciting idea to sit at dinner with them? What, do you want to see her chew food? Is that your idea of, of excitement to watch Oprah Winfrey chew food? I really want to see Chris Rock eat food. That would be exciting. What a way to spend the summer. But wait, Jeff Bezos is on there with the new, the new girl. Outside of Ibiza and Mallorca. That is so old. I was in Mallorca in late in the 60s. I wrote a whole book about it. What are they doing there? Oprah Winfrey, Gail King, Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom, Chris Rock, Carly Kloss, husband Josh Kushner. Goldman Sachs, Lloyd Blank, fine wife, Laura, K5 Global founder, Michael Kives, oil air, Mickey Hess, and designer. Now you say, why are you going on and on about it? Well, it ties into my discussion of seagulls, number one. But it also shows you the hypocrisy of the American left. This is an A-list of American left-wing liars. They all claim that they're interested in saving the world and saving the environment. Here they are burning more fuel than you burn in your car a whole year. One hour's fuel burn in that boat is more ga more fuel than you burn in a year in a car, I would guess. I don't have the exact numbers. And so they send Instagram pictures of themselves. And unto itself, that's disturbing to me. Never before in history have wealthy people shown off like they do now 
with pictures of themselves. Oh, here I am on a mountaintop with a beautiful girl. Here I am in the mountain. Here I am skiing. Here I am crapping. Here I am. Why do I have to see these pigs? Why? Why do people go and show themselves off like this? Where has the dignity in the class gone? Disney's Bob Iger, Steven Spielberg, Jay Abrams, NBC Universal's Ron Meyer, Netflix's Ted Sarandos, Julia Roberts, Leonardo DiCaprio, Barry Dilla, another prize human being, and his wife, his, uh, his wife, <laughs> his wife, Diane Van Furstenberg, Bruce Springsteen, Paul McCartney, Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson, Jerry Seinfeld, Diane Sawyer, Bradley Cooper, Mariah Carey. They're all on the boat. But why? <coughs> Sorry, I'm sneezing from the oregano and the pizza I just had. And then there's Barack and Michelle Obama, all shown on the yacht. Why do they go on this guy's yacht? And they all then come back and lecture us about global warming. And you believe you people believe this crap? How do you believe this? Bezos travels with his own personal security team, must have granted his permission for Geffen to post the photo. One that Jeffrey says contains one glaring problem. I don't know what they're talking about. So that's the story. I'd rather be here in front of the microphone than sit on that yacht for one second. I feel like I'm in a floating prison. It looks like the uh, Metropolitan Correctional Center with 700 thread sheets to me. Maybe the food's better. The sheets are probably softer. But basically, you're in Geffen's Metropolitan Correctional Center with propellers, in my estimation. How did he make his money? With records? All of this with a record? You know, you look at the people close up with these pictures, the snapshots, and then you realize what your mother said was 100% right. How many suits can you wear at one time, Michael? How many cars can you drive at one time? How many meals can you eat at one time, Michael? Or, Michael, when she sits down after a bad meal and she has a stomach ache, you think her stomach doesn't hurt like yours does? Or in another more guttural fashion, because I come from peasant stock, good peasant stock, none of them highly educated, which is why they knew reality. It's like seagulls, you know what I'm saying? They were too stupid to stop being heterosexual. That's why the family line has continued through to me. They hadn't hadn't learned yet to throw away the heterosexuality like... You know, that's what the professors are saying. It's old. Women should throw away heterosexuality and sleep with other women because men are unnecessary. This is what the university has become, the trash heaps of the human, of human civilization, the refuse of human civilization. And I, I was reading Ruth Bader Ginsburg now. She's got cancer again? I know I'm supposed to say mumbo-jumbo, yeah, blah, 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 more cancer treatment, or maybe we wish her well, blah, blah. Malignant, wobbly after hospital visit. Why is she still in the Supreme Court? Didn't she ever run in with malignant cancer a year ago? We told she was fine. It spread, man. She can't function. Trump's getting another three on the court before the election. Just three. Just three more. They're going crazy over this. This woman's not functional. She's not on the Supreme Court. No, are you only want to survive from pancreatic cancer? I do not know anyone. And let me tell you, someone in my family died a horrible death from it. This is no joke. It's a horrible cancer. There's no coming back from it. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg undergoes treatment for pancreatic tumor. So that means it's spread from where it was last time. It's killing her. And yet she still has the nerve and not the dignity to resign from the court. Why doesn't she just say for the sake of the court, for the sake of America, I am hereby tendering my resignation? Why? You know why. It's Labor Day and I'm selling the house. That's why. It's Labor Day, and she's not selling the house. 
Well, we wish her well. We hope she recovers and all that. We wish her a speedy recovery, our hopes and prayers, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right, right, right. So Trump's getting three more before 2020, which is why the libs are going insane. First, they want to eliminate the Electoral College. It's racist now. Then they want to eliminate the Supreme Court nine. They want to make it into whatever they wanted to turn it into like a banana republic Supreme Court. The last one who did that, who packed the courts was FDR, the other dictator, the socialist dictator hero of uh, Michelle and Barry. They'll do it. They get the power. They're going to do whatever they can. I guess they need Congress, though, that nasty little institution that Gavin Newsom doesn't like here in California. We have no Congress in California. We have a dictatorship. So where am I right now? You know where I am right now? I'm ready to take some calls right now. The minute I come back on the Savage Nation. Savage. Take a deep breath, everyone, because things are going to get worse this afternoon after the markets close. I'm afraid the president is going to tweet again. Uh, upping the ante again with his new label for China's leader, calling him the enemy. In June, he was his friend. Now he's his enemy. And the markets have tumbled 650 points as a result today. In addition, the president has told companies to pull out of China. Again, these are things, in my opinion, that should be done quietly, behind the scenes, not openly, uh, not pushing us with war drums. I don't understand what's going on, how everything's changing so fast. You know, I was reading a book called The Fall of Rome and the End of Civilization, and I want to refer to a paragraph and show you how trade wars have historically led to disaster. And who who listening to this show right now thinks that a trade war with China is good for America? Other than I don't know who would believe that. Anyone who knows history knows it can't be. According to the life of a pious Italian aristocrat, Melania, interesting. According to the life of a pious Italian aristocrat, Melania, who gave away her wealth at the start of the 5th century, one of, her, one of her African estates near the small city of Thagasti, which was larger than the town itself. With the resources from her African properties, Melania and her husband were able to build and support two large monasteries, and one for 130 holy virgins, the other for 80 men. Wealth like this was lost to the Italian aristocracy at the Vandal Conquest, which also, of course, deprived Italy and its resident emperor of all the taxes paid by Africa and of the substantial levy of grain used to feed the city of Rome. The effect on Africa, I read, of the empire's disintegration, meaning the Roman Empire, when it disintegrated, deeply affected Africa. But it took several centuries for this to happen. The point is, in good times, close links between countries benefit all the countries. In bad times, all the countries suffer together. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is Rock and Roll Friday. Forgive me if I don't want to read the news for a minute or two. It's so horrible out there. The Amazon is burning. The pigs in Brazil are burning forests to the ground. 
driving hundreds of thousands of indigenous people who have lived in these forests since the beginning of time out of their dwellings, killing millions of animals. And the pigs on the left float around on a yacht in the Mediterranean, lecturing the rest of us peons about global warming. It's pretty horrible to look at this stuff and put it in context. So I go back to music, humor, history, and I try to make sense of it all. The world's melting down in some ways in front of my eyes. Trade war now. Trade war. Dow down 622. Trump's over there in Europe. I God, God forbid, please, this afternoon, God knows what could happen. He's pr- Well, the markets have closed already, haven't they? It's 4 o'clock on the East Coast. Aren't they closed? No tweet. Had dinner yet? Did he wake up from dinner? Nap? Well, if he wakes up any minute after a nap before dinner and he tweets, the market could in Japan could open up tomorrow down down 600. God knows. War drums. Trump orders American businesses to find alternatives to China. Beijing slaps 75 billion tariffs on soybeans, autos in key swing states. And talk shows are telling them to suck it up. I swear to God, so-called conservative talk show hosts have told people living in the Midwest where soybeans are big, they have to suck it up for America. I don't know whether I'm listening to, like, Goebbels or or radio anymore. I can't tell a difference between a Goebbels broadcast in Germany in the 1930s and some of the broadcasters. You're telling a guy whose living depends on soybeans he should suck it up for America? Are you crazy? I don't know what's going on, man. It's insanity out there. Total insanity. And then Trump says, who was a bigger enemy, Powell or Z? And he appointed Powell. And in June, Z was his friend. How do you call the president of the most populous nation on earth with hydrogen bombs, with no Congress to constrain him, that's Z, an enemy? How do you do that? Why would you do a thing like that? Why would you imply he is your enemy? How do you come back from that? I don't understand this. Meanwhile, the rich and powerful on the left to lecture the rest of us how to live a floating around on David Geffen's yacht in the uh, polluted waters of the Mediterranean, making us, I guess, all hope to God we could be there at the table with them. I don't. I've been on yachts. I've been on boats. I've been on ships. I've lived through hurricanes and tornadoes. And let me tell you something. I feel best on my little 25-foot tug alone with no one but me in the water. I like listening to the gulls and watching the seals and watching the water forms and watching the light break off the water without listening to some pig lecture me about global warming or eating what food he wants to eat. Why would I want to eat the food he wants to eat? I take nothing with me when I got on the water. I don't even want to eat. I don't even drink a beer on the water. Why would I want to pollute my brain while I'm on the water? When I'm First of all, if you're driving your own boat, you don't want to drink because you'll kill somebody, especially in a busy waterway like San Francisco. But you cannot... Take your eye off the water for like 30 seconds. You could kill a person in a kayak, a small fishing boat. So you have to be super focused. And that's one of the reasons I like boating. Is I like boating when I'm driving the boat. First of all, I'm in total control. Secondly, it's a throwback to some ancient mariner in me. Thirdly, it gets me away from the problems of the world. Fourthly, it forces me to focus. And you could fill in the blanks. I mean, that's why I like a small boat. I've had big boats. I've had small boats. I've been on yachts. And I've loved the yacht I was on, 10 staterooms, crew of 10. No, no, five staterooms, crew of 10. Lovely boat. I was on it. I don't even know where. I enjoyed it. But it gets claustro after a day or two. Oh, you have the dinner on the rear deck uh, under the awning, and they put it out. It's beautiful. 
and you drink the wine, and then what? Then what do you do? What do you do then? What, what's there to do on a boat? There's nothing to do. All right, so they get in water sports. You get on a sea, a ski do, or whatever. So I, it never appealed to me. Don't understand it. But hey, to each his own. If you like going in the wilderness with a motor that makes noise and pollutes the snow, God bless you. Okay, I kind of didn't go for it. I preferred snowshoes when I went into the backwoods of, of Lake Tahoe. That's before they had these motorized things running around. Why would you go there now and listen to a guy coming by with a, pollut- a pollution machine? Don't get it. I know I'm stepping on raw toes here because uh, the MAGAites all like the boats, the, uh, the noisy things. I like it. I like engines. I watch car shows at night. I mean, don't think I'm not passing the loyalty test. I'm a regular guy. I mean, I don't smoke cigars, no. I don't drink a lot of whiskey, actually. Never drink it, maybe once a year. But I promise you, I still am a loyal American, even though I don't smoke and drink whiskey. And uh, although I don't like those machines in the backwoods, I swear I love America. I I know I'm not passing the loyalty oath that many of you think I have to pass. And I swear I watch uh, car shows at night to show you I'm a red-blooded American. I admire men who can fix things and make stuff. I don't know how they make parts. That is so amazing. They make pieces of metal out of fabrication and pieces, and they put it together. They strip the car down. Amazing work. I like men who can make things with their hands. So don't think I'm not a loyal American. I am, but uh, I really do not smoke. I don't smoke cigars. No. Let's see. I have no tattoos on my body. That's the funniest joke you ever heard in my life. Did you ever hear the joke about the tattoo? It's kind of an ethnic joke. I don't know if it's still funny. Lenny Bruce, comedian in the 60s, was a funny guy. He had stuff, and when he was doing it, it was beyond anyone else. No one ever did stuff like him. So he tells the story. He was a Jewish comedian, not religious type, of the type that you see. Larry David style. No religion, but funny. But not funny like Larry David. Larry David's funny by mocking himself and mocking Jews. Lenny Bruce didn't mock Jews. Lenny Bruce mocked the world. So he comes home, he says, and takes his shirt off, and his Aunt Minna sees a tattoo on his right arm. And he says, she screams like a seagull. Ivy, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. He said, she sounded like a Jewish seagull. I'm bringing in the seagull theme. Notice how I tie it all together. She says, Aunt Minna, don't freak out. He said, when I die, cut my arm off and bury my arm in a Christian cemetery and bury me in a Jewish cemetery. Now, I got to tell you something. When I heard that when I was 16 years old, I, I really thought it was funny. It's still funny. No one topped that guy. Died a junkie on a toilet bowl in Hollywood. The gunite was in the pool, bought the house in the Hollywood Hills, gunite, and dead. Shut up. Or some say he was, you know, injected. You don't know. Probably just overdosed, that's all. The Dustin Hoffman movie, Lenny, was horrible. You talk about corny, and I'll tell you why. Remember the Dustin Hoffman movie, Lenny? Raise your hand. Come on. Help me here. Work with Buddy. Anyone see it? No one. Okay. You saw it, Jim. Okay, Jim saw it. I I watched it, but... First of all, Dustin Hoffman is not cool. That's the problem. He's a he's a good actor, but he's not cool. So you can't play a cool, junky comedian if you're a klutz like Dustin Hoffman. Do you understand why the movie flopped? Then they got the woman to play the stripper wife, and she wasn't compelling. She didn't look like a stripper at all. So I didn't like the movie. It didn't work for me. How can anyone play a cool comedian like Lenny Bruce who was not cool? And anyone who is cool wouldn't play Lenny Bruce in a movie. He would be Lenny Bruce, and he would not perform as a, someone's marionette. He'd be in talk radio. He wouldn't be just a puppet of, of uh, one of the creeps on, on Geffen's boat from Hollywood. I act like this. 
and bring me a sandwich. No, no, a little more. Stop. Do it again. Hold it again. Do it again. I would you? I could never be an actor listening to the schmuck telling me what to do, how to read a line. All right, let me hear it again. Hold on. Would you bring me another one? How could you do that listening to some pig in a chair tell you what to do? So I never went into acting because you have to read someone else's script, number one. Number two, you have to fake it to be a good actor. See, actors are kind of vacuous people. And in order to be able to put yourself into a role, uh, I would imagine, you have to have a very poor personality sense of your own, a very weak personality. If you have a very dominant personality, as I do, it's impossible to be a good actor unless you're playing yourself in every role, which makes you a bad actor. See, I don't go for the guys who are the same person in every role. That's not acting. That's a method acting that's really not acting. I'll give an example of a good actor. There's a British actor who you may not have heard of. I think it's Eddie Marsum. Anyone raised know what I'm talking about? People in acting may know who I'm talking about. Eddie Marsum. I think that's his name. See, he's in Ray Donovan. He plays the brother who's got Parkinson's, the shaky hand. Huh? He plays Terry. Okay, but his name is Eddie Marsum, right? I've watched this man's performances. I was amazed at how good he is. He's versatile. So I just saw another show, TV show or another, I think, in Netflix. I don't know what it was, where he plays Himmler. And Himmler comes out, and it's him. I couldn't believe it was him playing, I think, Himmler. Or one. He could. I don't know how he could project himself into these roles. He's a fabulous actor. That's acting, being able to do many different characters and look differently in each role. That's an actor. But if it's the same Bruce Willis, that's not acting. That's just a dominant personality playing Bruce Willis in every movie, right? Okay, so what I'm getting at is whatever I'm getting at. But let's go back to the mystery of the seagull, if you don't mind. Uh, Chris in New York, on line seven. You're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, Dr. Savage. Uh, first of all, real quickly, I just want to thank you for that sly laugh you put in there when you described Barry Diller and Diane Van Furstenberg's quote-unquote marriage. I got a no, kick no, out no, of that. Now, wait a minute. Don't, uh, don't take any implication out of that. I, I'm just saying Barry Diller and Diane Furstenberg, his alleged wife. They are married, aren't they? But let, can we not talk about personalities? Let's just go on. Sure. I just want to, you did you mentioned how the uh, the elite Hollywood one percent they were uh, just bragging about their lives and pictures on social media, and it's not just them. I mean, sadly, a lot of people I know. You look at their social media, you think they're in Hollywood in the one percent. Right. Everyone's a star behind their car. I get it. I, I, I don't understand that at all. And well, it's every jerk with a camera now thinks they're a movie star. You know, that's the problem. And uh, I tell you, let me read you a quote. Uh, Sometimes I want to live in the past. The present is too painful. The world makes no sense today. The world has had a nervous breakdown. That was from Dr. Michael Savage from August 12, 2019. And I want to thank you for saying that, for making me think I'm not an insane outcast. <laughs> oh, that's as near as only a, uh, 10 days ago Michael said that. That's right. Say it again. Let me hear it again. Let me see if I agree with myself. Okay. Well, sometimes I want to live in the past present is too painful the world makes no sense today the world has had a nervous breakdown okay. he's right whoever wrote that's a pretty smart guy you could say that again <laughs> so chris let me ask you are you a retired guy or you still work no sir i am uh, i feel like a lot older than my years because like i said i still work i'm working right now i listen to you online and i keep an open word doc with great quotes from people like yourself can, can you tell me what it is you do for a living without divulging too much about yourself 
I am an inspector for a risk management company. I inspect buildings, businesses, job sites, commercial vehicle fleets. So you have to know what's really going on in order to do your job. You can't, there's no parsing the truth with you. Oh, absolutely not. I have to deal with reality. So what happened with that elevator where that poor guy got crushed in it? I couldn't believe that video. I could not believe that. You know, you know, it's it's really sad. I was in the building a couple of days ago doing a job for this insurance company where they specifically wanted me to see when the last time the New York City Department of Buildings inspected that elevator, if they have a regular elevator maintenance contract, and then this happens. Anyway, in, that, in that very building? No, 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 not at all. But I'm just saying it's just ironic and coincidental. That this now, I want to ask you a question. So the guy, he's on the elevator. The elevator stops. On the ground, on the on the main floor, one guy gets out. Right. He's amongst four people left on the elevator. He goes to step out. The elevator collapses down. He got caught between the car and the wall. That's from what I understand. I just heard it on the radio this morning. Like I said, how, I, how could you? I can't imagine his guts got squeaked. I mean, everything got crushed, and he's in there screaming before he dies with his guts hanging. I can't imagine that. Well, sadly, that's not the first time this has happened. About 10 years ago, a poor woman in a Manhattan office building was decapitated from a commercial elevator. Oh. I don't know if that's from lack of maintenance. Well, as Fat Clemenza says, never use elevators. They're a death trap. I'll be right back. Savage. What does he want to buy Greenland for? What are we going to do with that? I know most of America was acquired through annexations, war, theft, revolution, and expulsions. That's true for most countries, right? Almost all countries have acquired territory through revolution, war, purchase, invasions, annexations, expulsions. But now Trump just comes out and says, sell us Greenland, what? He made her, he made her an offer she couldn't refuse? Sell us Greenland or what? <laughs> What's he going to do? Sell us Greenland and we'll bomb? I don't know. What does he want Greenland for? I mean, with global warming coming, it's probably not a bad idea. It's going to be uh, no, no snow up there. That's where the word Greenland came from, all of your geniuses. Why do you think the Vikings called it Greenland? Because when they were doing their explorations, it was green because of uh, the retreat of the glaciers in the last retreat of the Ice Ages. I know you didn't study that at Harvard, uh, but we did have a mini Ice Age in the 1600s, 1700s, freezing cold temperatures, ice. Then there was a retreat of the ice, and so now you have Greenland now. So it's probably good pasture land or something. Oil, oil, gas, drill, 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 drill for peace. Build a pipeline from Greenland to Brooklyn. I don't know what they want. More oil, 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 drill, drill, drill. Then you got the schmuck Marxist Bernie Sanders who wants to eliminate all fossil fuels. Okay, real genius. The only thing that should be eliminated are the fossils like Bernie. They should be eliminated from the stage. Now let's talk about seagulls, by the way. I brought up seagulls. I love them. I think they're a majestic animal. San Fran, Jack, line four. Sorry, we only have 30 seconds. Fire away. Real, real quick, I was, in, uh, I was in Ireland for a month, and two seagulls tumbled from the ceiling in the next building. They couldn't get out. Their mother couldn't feed them, so my wife and I took care of them for a month. Uh, they didn't what did you what did you feed these magnif magnificent creatures my my wife loves animals so do i the locals want us to kill them which we wouldn't do and my wife would go down and get them tuna tuna uh oil or, or water-based tuna 
uh, water. I called them Shemp and Mo because the one beat the other one up all the time. But gradually they got to know how to fly. It's so here's a grown man who loves seagulls as much as I do. Aren't they magnificent creatures? They are, and they're fascinating to watch aeronautically. Oh, they're aeronautical geniuses. Savage. is no politics right now well there'll be some politics i guarantee you in a few seconds i want to play a piece of an interview i did on the great newsmax tv the other day and i think you'll enjoy a few minutes of it that's why i'm going to play a little bit but i want to take a caller or two because many of you have tuned into the second hour to get on the show i know that and so we go to las vegas where ken is awaiting to talk about greenland go ahead ken what's your topic Hi, Mr. Savage. Uh, the point I want to bring up about Greenland is I think it's actually it's kind of a strategic move. If we were to take Greenland as a base, which Truman tried to do in '46, right. you could put 150,000 com- 150, combat troops on two fronts against Russia if it was necessary, God forbid. You'd be able to send troops to Europe and uh, hit the northern border of Russia. Hopefully that never happens, but I think that's what Trump is looking at is Having a yeah, I think that the Defense Department certainly understands what would happen if China bought Greenland. Because the fact is China is also trying to buy Greenland. You probably know that. Well, correct. And I, and I, Trump has many faults, but I think strategically what he's looking at is, since the Democrats have made a point that Russia is our biggest enemy, it would be nice to have the largest base in the Northern Hemisphere. I mean, we could move troops to both. Can you imagine being stationed on Greenland in the military? What would you do there? Well, it, it, we've had a base there for for decades, Thule Air Force Base. The, the point being is it was a it was a early warning uh, a base to let us know if the uh, Russians were. Yeah, but like in World War II, we had bases in in the Aleutian Islands. Remember to stave off the Japanese. Remember that story. Correct, but we also were unprepared, thinking that the, the Japanese would never invade mainland United States until they did battle in Alaska. And I think what Trump is looking at, and I, I'm trying to be cautious with this, is that what he's looking at is, if Russia is the threat that it is, should we not have the largest military base in the Northern Hemisphere? And it would put us only 2,039 miles from Europe, 3,112 miles from Russia. And I think that's what he's looking at. If this is Yeah, but she doesn't want to sell it to him. She's a diehard leftist feminist who runs of Greenland. Well, granted, she doesn't want to sell them. But, I mean, that's the point. Wait, how could you buy a nation, by the way? I, I, let's go into, how could you sell a nation or buy a nation? Well, she can say she doesn't want to sell it. But Wait, wait, excuse me. If, if China came and said, look, let's stop fighting with each other. We just want to buy America. How, how, could, how can anyone sell them America? Well, I, I agree. But the point I, I'm trying to get So to she cannot, se- wait, Denmark cannot sell Greenland, can it? No, it belongs to Denmark, and and you're going to be dealing with the Danish people, technically not her. Now, this, this sale may never happen, but this has been a strategic thing since... 19- yeah, but the prime minister is a diehard leftist feminist who uh, basically dis- you know, disrespected Trump and said, it's not for sale, but how could it be for sale? Well, I, I think what uh, another thing that Trump is looking at is that currently Denmark gets, uh, subsidizes 50% of. All right, I think I think we've exhausted this. It's not for sale. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. No one's selling Greenland. No one's buying Greenland. And uh, it was an interesting story for a day, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But I do agree with you that it would be a great military base. Let's hope that China doesn't get it. 
Michigan Rob, line five. What's your topic, Michigan? Go ahead. Yeah, seagulls. Thank you, Dr. Savage. I took my wife and kids on a short vacation in Mackinac Island, which is on the north part of the Midden State. Uh-huh. On the way back on the ferry boat, we pulled into the dock, and I looked down. There was uh, ducklings and a, a male and female duck. As I looked up, there was a bald eagle trying to come down to eat the baby ducks, but a flock of seagulls fought the uh, eagle off to save the baby ducklings. And How does that work? Right? Why would the gulls protect? Gulls are scavengers. They'll eat anything. Why would, did they, were, they, were they protecting the ducks because they wanted to eat them? No, I think they, they just didn't like the, uh, the eagle because the eagles probably went after their ducklings also when I was on the edge of the... So the eagle is the apex, the eagle is the apex predator amongst the birds you have just mentioned. So the flock of duck, uh, the flock of gulls came together to fight off the the, the, the the eagle, correct? Correct. All right, but we don't know whether they were doing it to protect the ducks or to drive away the apex predator from their own territory. I mean, that that's a possibility, isn't it? Yeah, only God knows. <laughs> only God knows. I'll tell you the truth. Nature is one of the most instructive of all universities, and I've never, ever gotten bored watching the natural world whether it be a bug crawling across the living room floor or a an eagle in the sky or a hawk i will tell you it's very instructive to us as humans and uh, again i want to go back to the seagull for one minute i know i'm going on and on but first of all they're monogamous they mate for life and they're ancient animals evolved from uh, the uh, oligocene that's a long time ago man that's long before maga came along Oligocene, long time back, long before George Washington's time. You're talking 30 million years ago in evolution. <laughs> now, many of you say, oh, there is no evolution. Please don't call me where there is no evolution. I do not want to have that discussion, if you don't mind. Please, let's not go there. I'm looking at the news. Kimberly Guilfoyle holds bachelorette party for Trump in Vegas. Oh, God. What's this news? Supreme Court Ginsburg treated for tumor on pancreas. She had cancer last year. We were told it was gone. It means it metastasized. It means the poor woman is dying. It means she should resign from the Supreme Court. Nobody who is this sick can serve on the Supreme Court. You're on chemo. You're dying. Ah, terrible. Just terrible. Just terrible. You know, the madness, the political madness in this country is, in another time in history, if we had a Supreme Court justice who, God forbid, had cancer now for over a year, it's two years, it's more than that, and now it spreads to the pancreas, Guaranteed the Supreme Court justice resigns for the good of America and the court. Guaranteed. But not today. They hang on with fingernails. With fingernails. Trump's getting three more appointees. That's all. Now I'm reading another story here. 40 different orgies. Burning Man's weirdest wireless events. A bunch of degenerate scum. That's all. Burning Man. Burning Man. I care about these degenerate scum. Look at this. 40 different orgies. Look at this. Look what the human race is capable of, of degenerating to. Go in the 100-degree temperature in the middle of nowhere and go have sex with strangers. That's the, that's the epitome of human evolution. The epitome of human evolution. Have an orgy in, 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 in a desert with, with dirty, with dirty uh, people you don't know. Burning Man. Who came up with this crap, Burning Man? What a bunch of schmucks. I never saw anything like it. Idiots. Who goes to it? Does anyone listen to the show go to Burning Man? Don't tell me someone listening to the show has gone to Burning Man. Fruit smoothies. 
40 orgies somewhere in the tents. The birthing canal, enter the womb dome, squeeze through the canal, and get spanked on the other side. Do you realize how stupid these people are? Do you understand how dumb these morons are who go to a thing like Burning Man? Uh, Communist Party, relive the, glory, relive the glory days of the Eastern Bloc with our time-traveling submarine crew. That's a joke for them. Morning yodel. Who doesn't want to wake up and sound of burners yodeling at the top of their lungs? Yoga. Ugh. Yoga. Yoga. I, I, I have things to say about yoga. I don't want to do it because many of you are conservative and, and you wear yoga pants. But I, I'm not. Uh, trust me. I, I know a lot about yoga. Sensual haircuts. It's like getting a haircut. Do you understand how dumb these people are? Korean facial mask party. Treat your skin to a Korean sheet mask. What, what are these people? Are they... Oh, drug addicts, that's all. Who would go to a desert in 100-plus degree weather and have sex with strangers other than totally lost souls, dressed up in dumb outfits? They look like homeless people with crazy outfits on. Ugh, Yvonne Fors Villarreal and Leo Villarreal, the man who designed the lights in the Bay Bridge at sunset. I don't care what you design. You look like a moron with your old lady, that's all. I don't care what you design. You look like a putz. Can't you grow up and be like a man? Dubai-based Italian fashion designer Joy Borello Saliba poses at Burning Man. How would you like to be her drug supplier, this one? You know what this one has to be on? To make a pose like this and then look at, wake up in the morning and vomit and look at herself and say, oh, God, I look like an idiot. Barack and Michelle Obama are buying this island retreat for $15 million. Oh, but it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's a waterfront retreat for $15 million on Martha's Vineyard. Apparently, they're not worried about global warming and the melting ice caps. How, how's that? Because they know it's a lie. That's all. Montana hailstorm slaughters 11,000 birds. Wow. That's terrible. Oh, the world's crazy. I had to do this day and night looking at the news. First thing I do is I wake up in the morning. Never mind bodily functions. I'm talking about I, I, go, I try not to go to the computer and look at the news. I can't take it anymore. I go out. I breathe. The, I force myself. It's like an addiction to news. It is addiction, addictive. Imagine if you do this for a living, that you have to look at the news and sort through it and decide what to talk about and make sense of it. I get up, I try not to look at the news. I'm like, okay, avoid that computer. Go that way. Go to the right. Don't go to the left. Get away from that evil machine there. Don't get sucked into it right now. Go to the right. Open the door. Go out in the... Ah, oh, that feels good. Oh, look at the birds. Look at the pelicans. Look at the seagulls out there. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't last a minute. I'm back looking at the computer, seeing what went on in the world. Because I got a show to. What'd you just say? Oh, we got a Burning Manor. Nevada. Marnie, welcome to the. So you're on the way to Burning Man? Why? Yes. Hi. I've been going for nine years. I've been listening to you since I was about eight years old. Oh, my God. Did I get caught in a conundrum right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm what? So you're a conservative sex maniac, or you don't go into that? No, no, no. Not. No, no. It's not about sex. It's about. It's about community, it's about friends, it's about uh, being able to express yourself artistically, music. Wait, wait, wait. It says there's 40 orgies at Burning Man. It's uh, 80,000 people. There, you know, I mean, there's you mean you don't have to engage in group sex to go to Burning Man? No, not at all. I don't do that out there. That is, And I don't do that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Oh, hold on. I assume that you are uh, politically somewhat conservative. You just said so. You've been listening to the yeah, show. Yeah, I am You're, conservative. So what do you go to a thing like this for? What do you get out of it? You get, you, it's, immediate, it's all about immediacy. There's no phone. 
people, when you walk up to people, you can have like a real conversation. So it's, it's like Woodstock in the desert. It's like Woodstock in the desert. Yeah, I guess. I've never been to Woodstock. I'm 31 years old. But what do you do you there? Do you, I mean, where do you get food? What do you do for food in the desert? So you bring everything. And that's the other thing. Everything you see out there is brought by the people that bring it. They're like, they all bring it. Every- and you go alone or you go with friends? I'm actually going, I usually go by myself, but this time I'm bringing my mom. Who's been listening to you since... Another conservative going to Burning Man? Conservative, yeah. But what do you do? You live in a tent? Uh, we're taking a Mercedes Airstream Sprinter. It's a little- <laughs> <laughs> now that's a conservative way to go to go to Burning Man. I like that. Yeah. Now what do you do? Do you have a generator on the top of the thing to, to run your air conditioning? Yeah, we have two generators. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. But isn't Burning Man supposed to be about global warming and all that stuff? No, I mean, it's the whole thing is like, yeah, there are, those people are out there, but they... All right, so it's basically a fun event is what you're saying? It's a really fun event, but it's all about building stuff and being in community building projects. But why is it in the desert in 110 degree heat? How can you handle that? I think it's, I think it kind of adds this like communal suffering that everybody gets experienced together. It's kind of, it evens the playing field. So you, do have, you have to, do you have to pay to go there? You have, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's usually... You know the tickets run from four hundred to you know. 400. And, and you go to like you have a potty on the on the car or on the back of it or whatever. Yeah, there's porta potties out there. There's porta potties. The ticket price. Are there homeless people wandering around looking to shake people down for handouts? <laughs> no, no homeless people. <laughs> Does anyone proselytize left or right out there in Burning Man? Like join this group, do this, do that. Uh, not as much. Um, in fact. One year there was a conservative uh, politician that came out and said something. I don't remember. I didn't see. I don't go there for politics. Um, I and I'm in. I live How much does it cost to get in? It costs four four twenty five to fourteen hundred face value tickets. Those are the face value. Someone's making that much money by selling you a piece of sand that they don't even own. <laughs> They're renting you a, a temporary stay on a piece of sand for fourteen hundred dollars for a week. It's federal land. It's beautiful. It's it's out of by this Indian reservation. It's a it's a. Did the in, did the Indians approve of this? Um, see, I, I see a lot of pictures of of statuesque women and men, good looking men with the costumes. Isn't it basically a narcissistic indulgence of some kind? Yes, there is a lot of narcissism, but you know, I feel like one of the things I new nudity or not or dressed mainly dressed up. I dress, but like other people are naked. But that's part of it. It's kind of a nudist colony. You know, you, do you like the nudity? Do you go there for the nudity? No, I don't go there for the nudity. I don't mind the nudity. It doesn't offend me. I'm an artist, you know, so I don't. Yes, I understand. You know, artists, are, artists are crazy. Yeah. No, no, I understand. Artists are crazy. They're supposed to be. I mean, I have a sign that I keep over my portrait. You know what it says? I was weird before it was cool. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, I've been listening to you since I was little. I mean, all right. I'm sorry for warping your for warping your mind. Enjoy Burning Man. I'll be right back. Savage. My phone is going off in the other room now. With someone selling something, I'd like to smash these robocallers. Hi, I'm Maria. Is anyone home? I mean, it's just unbelievable the world we live in. Everywhere you turn, somebody's invading your privacy. Either, either Siri is listening to you. You can't go to the bathroom without worrying if they're listening somewhere in Amazon headquarters, in Apple headquarters. I curse them out, by the way. Sometimes I curse Siri out, whoever's listening over in the, the uh, 
the Apple headquarters. I drop dead in Pakistan, wherever you are. Go to hell, you fascist pig, you. I do that. I don't care what they're hearing. That's the world. That's the only way. It's like a man screaming. It's like, you know, it's like Sancho Panza tilting at windmills. The news is horrible. Forests are burning. People are rioting. The economies look like they're teetering on collapse. Tariffs, trade wars, bums in the streets attacking people and being protected by the politicians instead of the people being attacked. Vegan parents starving children to death. Others going to Burning Man for no reason. I'll be right back on Monday anyway. It's a long weekend without me. The Westwood One Podcast Network. All right, joining us right now is Michael Savage, radio talk show legend, host of The Savage Nation. He's also a New York Times best-selling author many times over. And he, too, was banned from traveling to a foreign country, that country being the United Kingdom. Michael, great to see you. Thanks for coming on, as always. Thanks, John. A real pleasure to be on Newsmax TV. All right, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Before you talk about your own travel ban to the U.K., Michael, clearly both women are trying to capitalize on this to push their anti-Israel agendas. And they've been exposed now. We know what their real motives were. We know um, this MIFTA group, the group behind their trip, is anti-Israeli, anti-Semitic. But will the Democratic Party stand with the squad or our longstanding ally Israel? The real question to me, John, is how the Democratic Party has permitted themselves to be hijacked by these fanatical anti-Americans. Never mind how did they get into Congress. Do we know how that happened? How has the Democrat Party allowed these two in particular now and an occasional cortex, the stupid bartender from Queens, <laughs> add the three of them together. And there's another one in the so-called squad. Ayanna the Presley. whole party basically is represented by them. How do they expect to win an election? Most of America doesn't hate America. Most of America supports Israel. This is not a University of California at Berkeley, uh, um, America. It's not Harvard, America. So the real question is, how did Nancy Pelosi lose control of them? That's the case, because if, you know, they didn't have control of the Democratic Party, and I'm skeptical that they do, but if they didn't, you know they would have been named in that resolution that Congress voted on, that they watered down uh, condemning those who support this BDS movement. Now, let's talk about your travel ban. You were banned in 2009 from the U.K., and I want to quote a L.A. Times article that was printed at the time, among those for whom Britain has pulled up the welcome mat are radical Islamist preachers, a Jewish extremist, a pair of Russian gangsters, and at least five Americans, and Savage, who has attacked the Koran as a book of hate, two white supremacist leaders, and a father and daughter team that travels up and down the U.S. vilifying gay people. Did you ever get a specific reason why you were banned? I spent $400,000 on British attorneys. We never could get an answer, but we, through a Freedom of Information Act, we got the emails that Gordon Brown, the then disgusting prime minister, had sent around. And what he said was, we need to ban Savage to make the list more representative. <laughs> you see, they had, banned, they had banned Muslims who wanted to destroy England. So to make it look like they were an anti-Muslim, they chose me. They chose me to cover up their banning of uh, Muslims. It's in, it's in the emails that we got. That's the horrible truth. And this is an example of the current political crisis that was going on then and yep. is now going on worldwide. Cover-ups running rampant in international politics, censorship used by the Marxist regimes in power, and a dangerous trend of globalism 
that sidelines the Vox Populi in favor of dictatorship. You know, I was so upset by it at the time. People say, well, why don't you let it go? What do you care about being banned in England? Well, I can give you a, a joke because the morning I woke up, I saw it on the Drudge Report and on, on. I didn't even know I had been banned. It's this talk show, Savage Band for Entering England. I said, what? <laughs> so I went on the radio that day and I said, God, there goes the British cuisine I was going to enjoy this summer and my dental care. Yeah, but okay, it, it's it more fundamental than that, too, Michael. Don't you think this is America and you have the right to say things you want to say and for you know, for for another country to ban you from entering that without you know without a specific reason, but ostensibly for things that you said, that just rubs I think a lot of people the wrong way. Well, but let's look at this. These two horrible anti-American Muslim congresswomen were just banned from entering England, uh, from Israel, but they have long been enemies of Israel. They want Israel to disappear. Their maps show that. I've been nothing but an Anglophile my entire broadcast career. Right. I, I admire England, its traditions, its people. I was not going over there to foment any kind of hatred or to foment any kind of rebellion against the government. Contrast that with these two witches who were specifically going to Israel to rise up, make crowds right. go Right, and let's crazy. not forget too, Michael, your job is to talk to the public. You're a media personality. They are elected members of Congress, so the bar is a little bit higher for them to not support the BDS movement, which is really what this is about. Not specifically what they said or even sharing those anti-Semitic cartoons they did over the weekend, but their support for this BDS movement. It's on the books in Israel, and Israel has a right to enforce their own laws. Uh, so that's... Well, we know what the so-called boycott... Uh, yeah, about the destruction of the nation of Israel, making sure it's trying no to turn Israel into you're trying to turn Israel into South Africa. But what they really want to do is disappear Israel from the map. They want the Jews to be pushed into the sea or go to Europe or America. And they want it to become the desert hellhole that it was before the Jewish state was founded. Never forget that that land was occupied by the Israelis, meaning the Jews, since biblical times. They didn't just come from Europe with their valises after World War II. Jewish people had been in that area since biblical times. Judea, Samaria, it's in the Bible. So don't fall, you know this as well yes. as I do. It's such a big Nazi lie to say Jews were interlopers. Jews were there, Arabs were there. And by the way, they more or less got along for centuries. Yeah, and the question little- is now, will Democrats hold them accountable for the things that they've said most recently, no. including the things they said no. yesterday about cutting off our aid to Israel. All right, let's leave that aside for a second, Michael, because yeah. I want to get on to a couple of other topics here. Let's talk All about right, Jeffrey fine. Epstein. Uh, there's oh, still God. a lot of suspicion around his death right now. Will sign just two days ago, seemingly shoddy work by the prison guards. We always remind people that you are not just a master of the media arts, but you also hold a Ph.D. from Berkeley and the medical field. What is your take on Epstein's death? He was killed. Okay, a few weeks before they find him with marks on his neck and he's screaming in the cell and they remove his cellmate, who's this burly cop, right? It was right out of The Godfather. I played Godfather music on Monday and Tuesday of that week uh, where Don Corleone says to the other gangsters when they're having a peace meeting, but I'm a superstitious man. I'm a son who's in Sicily and he comes home if God forbid he should be shot by a cop or hang himself in his jail cell, then I'll hold some men in this room responsible. It was right out of the Godfather. You have to be blind not to see that he was he was executed. Okay, I mean, to me it is. The whole thing is absurd. <laughs> and it was done in plain sight. 
right in front of our eyes. With there, are like so many, there are so many strange circumstances here. It, it makes it hard for people to believe the autopsy report, the medical examiner who <laughs> says she believes it's a suicide. And you have, yeah. you have you know, renowned uh, you know, pathologists like Cyril Wecht who's, Wecht, who's out there saying that he doesn't necessarily buy this. So we'll hear more about this as well. Oh, did he, did he come out and say he didn't buy it? He's not. He's, he's skeptical, like a lot of people um, that are out there right oh, that's, now. That's, it's a 13-part series out of it on, oh, on it's, Lifetime. We'll be talking about this for years. So we'll leave that yeah. there for right now. But the other thing I want to talk to you about, too, President Trump taking on some of his former media allies in addition to his normal attacks on outlets like The Washington Post and The New York Times. He's now publicly feuding with his former communication director of 11 days, Anthony Scaramucci. Take a listen. I love the president, and I'm very, very loyal to the president. We won the presidency because of Donald J. Trump. He is a unbelievable politician. If he cared what he people said about him, there's no way he would be president. I love the president, and I think a lot of you guys know in the media I've been very, very loyal to him. I've seen him in operation over the last 20-plus years. Uh, the president has really good karma, okay, and the world turns back to him. President Trump tweeted this video of clips of the mood showing his love for his former boss, um, right. adding that no one ever heard of this dope, quote, until he met me, he only lasted 11 days. What's going on here? Uh, with this very public break between these two. Obviously, this guy's looking for his 15 minutes of fame. He's looking for a book deal. And uh, frankly, but I he just think published it's a great book about President Trump saying how great President Trump is, how he appeals to so the average human. Just, just shows you how much veracity the man has to begin with. First, he loves him, then he hates him. And, and by the way, what's Trump's great crime? Tell me what the great crime is. You know, an article came out today, I have to tell you about it, the issue of racism, right, that they're accusing Trump of. Trump never mentions race. Trump doesn't talk about race or racism. It's Anderson Cooper and the lying scum at CNN and the others in the media who constantly call Trump a racist. They are the ones who are steaming the fans, uh, steaming up people in this country against each other, not Trump. Yeah, they, bl they blame Trump for, for things that are said at his rallies. Um, and he's come out, we've played these clips over and over of how many times Trump has condemned white supremacy, how many times he's condemned David Duke in the past. Doesn't matter how many times he says it, he's always blamed for being a racist. And even now, the Democratic candidates are blaming voters for being complicit in his racism. There is no middle ground, Michael. If you support President Trump, you are a racist, and that is the talking point from all the Democratic candidates. They can go to hell. They're the racists. I know what they're doing. You know, this is a replay of the 1950s. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Are you now or have you ever been a communist? Now it's are you now? Well, we know you are a racist. That's the only thing they got. They're like five-year-old sub-morons. And let me tell you what I came up with to scream racism in a crowded nation is racism. And they better stop it real fast because they're going to steam up a civil war in this country. Well, they don't seem to be uh, willing to stop anytime soon. You know, one more thing, too, that President Trump is, is kind of taking a different tack than he has in the past. He's, he's attacking Fox News as well, saying that a lot of things have changed. There's something going on at Fox, he said. I, I'll tell you right now, and I'm not happy about it. What do you think? Is President Trump right for taking on Fox no, even though he is correct and that Fox is hedging his bet for after the election because nobody really knows who might win. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, he's wrong for attacking him. He needs every ally he can get, including Fox News, which has been his strongest supporter. What other network has supported him like this? Hannity practically carries his uh, I should say his uh, water, but I don't think it's water he carries. Hannity has been his spokesman for years. 
what is he doing by attacking the number one support structure he has? I will tell you this. I'm pissed off because he hasn't come on this show for a very, very long time. He goes on marginal small shows. Mm-hmm. My audience was the significant difference between him winning and losing. He even put his arm around me in Mar-a-Lago and said, I wouldn't be president without this man. I don't understand it. Who's advising him to stay away from talk radio? Uh, however, yeah. he needs every friend he can get in order to win this election. I think anybody can agree with that. Yeah, maybe he's taking a talk radio audience for granted. He shouldn't do that to the no. election year. I'm a friend of Donald Trump. I don't know why they've moved him away from me. And I think it's something to do with uh, some of the people who pretend to be his friend on the inside, like Scaramucci did. Mm-hmm. But in a few months, you'll see they're outside attacking him. And I could tell you, I'll name two or three people at another time who I think are going to turn on him very soon. That's a good tease. And we know it's coming. Uh, <laughs> all right, Michael, great to see you as always. Michael Savage, host of the nationally syndicated talk show, Savage Nation, New York Times bestselling author. Thanks for joining us, Michael.